Good morning, everybody. This is uh, Craig F., the moderator today. Um, Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, big book study. My name is Craig F., and I am recovered from compulsive, um, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is uh, January the 14th, 2019. We're reading from the big book. uh, We're at page XXVIII. Uh, in the fourth paragraph, the third and fourth sentences at the bottom of the page. To them, their alcoholic life seems, we're reading two sentences through uh, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. Um, okay, uh, today's readers are uh, Kathy R. for the 12 Steps. Uh, Renee A. for the 12 Traditions, uh, Jenna, uh, uh, Jen A. for the, is the first, is the reader, and Lisa B. and then uh, is the reader, and we have uh, uh, Ramona A. for the Newcomer Greeter, and Esther C. for the Second Hour Post. Um, I don't have the reference number for yesterday's meeting yet, um, for Sunday's um, meeting or this morning. Um, so I'll get that, I'm sure, here in a minute. Um, the uh, Readers Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization. Um, Political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Kathy R. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everybody. This is Kathy R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, calling from Florida. These are the steps we took. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, or sorry, foods, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And number 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Craig, and thank you for letting me do this service. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, next, we'll have Renee A. read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, Renee A., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional that our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized that we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you, Renee. Okay, before I move on, I'm going to give you the share ID for the Sunday special edition. It, it was 12413, 12,413. Okay, uh, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirements for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. The meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass and press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. 
Today we resume our study of the big book uh, on page XXVIII, the fourth paragraph, third sentence, to them, uh, their alcoholic life, and we're going to read two sentences. Uh, so now I'm going to ask uh, Jen A to take us away. Good morning, Craig. This is Jen A., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic, and Blamic in Littleton, Colorado. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. So... When I was in this pattern of behavior, when I came in, I'm going to have to say that I probably had to read this a thousand times before I understood the patterns of behavior. Um, so, you know, when I'm in the food, I can't see the truth. I get that nine seconds of pleasure when I'm stuffing bites and bites and bites into my mouth, M&M after M&M, um, you know, one convenience store to another. Um, and you know what? This seemed normal to me. In fact, I didn't know there was any other way to live. This was the only life I knew. So to me, it's normal. Um, and that's what it says right here. And there's, and there's three words that we always look at. And you hear people say all the time, restless, irritable, and discontented. And, um, you know, that was my life. If I was um, high and I was living on the edge, I was agitated with people and uptight, and I'm having all these anxiety attacks, that's my restlessness, right? Um, or perhaps I was um, testy with people and crabby, quick-tempered with my kids, a short fuse with my husband at the time, you know, that was irritable. And when I was discontented, I was dissatisfied with my life, never happy enough, always fed up with the way things were going, always complaining. And that was life. And so when those three things pop up, um, right? What am I going to do? I'm going to find ease and comfort in something. And that something happened to be that food. And um, in my book, I have it crossed out. Drinks is now bites, right? I would keep taking bites and bites and bites. Or perhaps I would restrict and restrict and restrict and not even eat for days. Um, and um, others can do this, right? Others can just take a bite of cake and be fine and put the rest down. My dad always used to say to me, well, just take a bite of the cinnamon roll and push it off to the side of your desk. Who does that? I can't do that, right? He takes those bites with impunity. I don't. Um, so, you know, for me, um, seeing this here um, just tells me how much <laughs> I need this program. Um, you know, I get ease and comfort from the food. That's what I get it, Right. And I'm uncomfortable. I'm so uncomfortable in my own skin, restless, irritable, and discontent that I eat. I compulsively exercise. I hang my head over the toilet because I'm seeking an effect from these bites, right? And um, I just, I'm so glad that it tells me exactly who I am. And you know what? This is normal to me. This was normal to me. But the best part is that there is a solution. It's coming up. So um, just hang in there. And keep coming back because um, we're going to keep reading in here more. And with that, I'll pass. Okay. Thank you, Jen. All right. Um, we're going to um, take shares now. And uh, 
So who else would like to uh, share on the paragraph that was read? Harlan G. Kim Larry C. Larry K. Jennifer W. Katie F. Nelsa J. Kim G. Katie F. Jennifer W. Ross M. All right, I have enough. Let's let's cut that there. I think. One, two, three, yeah. I have Harlan G, Larry, uh, uh, Kim G, uh, Kate, uh, Katie, and Jen, Jennifer W, and Russ M. Uh, probably missed some people. I know I did in there, but we'll get you on the next round. Okay, Harlan, go ahead. Are we Thank on page? Craig, and th- Thank you for your service. What is Dr. Silkworth telling me here in this sentence that says, they are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. And impunity comes from the word punish, punis, punish. What is he telling me here? I'm going to try to make this in, in, in three minutes. He is telling me that food is not the problem. He is telling me that food is the solution to the problem. And if food is the solution to the problem, what is the problem? The problem is the buildup of everyday normal human emotion. And that all people have emotions, happiness and jealousy and sadness and anger and resentment and regret. All people have those emotions. And in a normal person, not eating, they don't get restless, irritable, discontent, angry, scared to death. They don't get remorseful and regretful, but we do because the pain of not eating for us comes from the buildup of these emotions. And these emotions dissipate easily in others, but not with us. And the brain says, eat a Kit Kat bar. Because a Kit Kat bar will bring me instant relief from that pain that comes from not eating. And that Kit Kat bar will give me an effect that for about nine seconds will make me feel fantastic. And the brain says, why were you fighting me on this? I told you this would work. Only about 10 seconds in, the horror of what I'm doing is upon me. But by then, it's too late. Because now I've triggered the physical allergy, and the allergy is active within me, which is an actual physical craving for more of the same. And I eat more and more and more, and the more I eat, the more I want, the more I want, the more I eat, and it's just endless. And if I cannot eat because of the allergy, and I cannot keep from eating because of the mental twist, I am powerless over food. But Food is not the problem. Food is the solution to the problem. The problem is the buildup of these emotions. And that is exactly why I cannot be eating while I'm trying to get a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. Because while I am eating, I am under the effect of the food and I will not get the effect of the steps because I will feel nothing. It is vital for me, my survival to take this paragraph and use it as the cornerstone the cornerstone 
of my recovery. This paragraph is paramount to my survival, and with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, Larry, Kay, you're up next. Thanks, Craig. Thank you for your service. Uh, Larry Kay recovered this morning in Chicago. Yeah, it is the cornerstone of my recovery. It took me a while to to understand that. Um, uh, to them, the alcoholic life seems the only normal one. You know, I used to use food to cope with life, and when I deprived myself of the, the foods that made me feel normal, like going on a diet, it wouldn't take long for me to become physically and emotionally uncomfortable. So my anxiety would begin to spike, and I'd become agitated. I'd become moody and short-tempered. And in that very raw state of irritability and, and frustration and resentment at my predicament, I essentially had two choices uh, to, to get some relief, both of them bad. And the first choice was I, I would go to that sometimes like a volcano. I could unleash my fury on you. And I could spew upon you the suppressed, you know, crust of my discontent and, and, and anger. Or choice number two, I could eat. And I'd say about 95% of the time I chose to eat. And both choices came with consequences. And well, actually there was – actually there was a, AFC, ice cream – uh, what else? McFlurry milkshakes would it be those kinds of things you would have eaten. They're lovely, not aren't they? Not oh, I love. Actually, am I still there, Craig? You're still there. Okay, I wouldn't go to those things typically, but sometimes. Actually, there was a third choice, which was to engage in both of those things. So I would spew my vitriol on you, and I would eat. And both gave me some relief from the anxiety and the discontent and the frustration. But they did something else. They served to keep people away from me. And after a while, those who wanted, you know, to, to love me had to stay clear. You know, imagine this scenario. You've got a, a cute, cuddly Siberian husky sitting in the, in the living room munching on a rawhide bone. And you reach down to scratch his warm, fuzzy ear. But something happens. Suddenly his lips, you know, peel back to reveal sharp teeth. And the fur on his neck spikes up and stands up as he stares at you, unblinking. Would you still pet the dog? Not likely. That was my normal. Thank God for this transformation. I don't, I don't, I don't you know, bare my sharp teeth, and I don't binge my brains out anymore. We have to understand, as Harlan said, these paragraphs, they should be the cornerstone understanding without that understanding will not see this program through will not fully understand who we are and we'll, we'll, we'll work it we'll work tools and we'll work the steps occasionally on a lukewarm basis and it won't result in, a, in an effective spiritual awakening and with that I pass thanks Craig for your service alright thank you Larry okay next up we have uh, Kim G Good morning, Craig. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless, unless they can again experience a sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once. <sighs> you know, restless, irritable, discontent. You know, I always saw that as the problem when I was in the food. 
And if that's the problem that I get well, only when I'm in the food, therefore the solution would be to get abstinence. But this, this pattern, this sentence is telling you unless. So they're saying when I'm sober. You know, for years in, in OA meetings, what I would often hear and I would say is abstinence makes me feel better. Nothing tastes as good as abstinence feels. Abstinence is the most important thing in my life today without exception. But in this big book, these first four chapters are teaching me that abstinence is my problem. If you're a real compulsive overeater, abstinence sucks. You want me to be abstinent in the morning, the afternoon, the evening? I mean, when people talked about being back-to-back abstinence, I wanted to slap them across the face. Because the reality is abstinence does make me feel better. It makes me feel anxiety better. It makes me feel fear better. It makes me feel anger better. That's restlessness, irritability, discontent. Now, my personal experience is I put the food down day one and two. I'm pretty okay. There's enough running through me. Day three to five, three to seven, I'm dying. The allergen is being taken out of me. I'm going through withdrawal. Day seven to 14, day seven to 21, I am, quote, unquote, feeling better. My stomach's a little bit better. I'm sleeping a little bit better. But what I'm feeling is the freedom from the allergy not being triggered. So maybe I make it to even day 30 where I get my coin. But then happens the restlessness, the irritability, discontentment comes up, and I start to say I'm craving the food. According to the doctor's opinion, I can't be craving the food because the food's not in me. What I'm experiencing is the mental twist. And the treatment for that is the steps. So if you are entirely abstinent right now, and you're feeling restless, irritable, and discontent, welcome to your disease. Welcome to untreated compulsive overeating, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, because we have a solution to abstinence. And that solution is a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. All right, KDF, you're up next. Katie? Good morning. This is Katie Up, a recovered compulsive overeater. And it's hard to follow all these um, other people saying, you know, similar to what I want to say, but but I like to uh, zone in on this thing that it says to them, the alcoholic life seems the only normal one. Because for me, I started compulsively overeating when I was so young, you know, single digits and eight, nine years old started dieting when I was that young, went to my first OA meeting when I was 14. And so then I left and went back to dieting. And then I was in OA for six years. And even in OA, um, I thought that, that my goal was to lose weight and to be happy. Those are my two goals, lose weight, be happy. And I had no idea that the spiritual awakening, that sounds sort of lofty to me. It does, I, it, I need more simplified words. And what that means, if you're out there and you've never had a spiritual awakening, you've never gotten to the state of recovered where you feel neutrality with food, um, that seemed completely foreign to me. That seemed impossible to me. And I really had no idea what it would be like because I had never experienced for, for one day in my life. And what it means for me today as a 58-year-old woman living in the middle of the country with food all around me, um, able to 
just eat my abstinent food and not care about it, about the other food, is that I have complete neutrality. That that monkey chatter in my brain is gone. And I did not think that that was possible because I thought everybody had that. I thought everybody was debating the next bite, was debating a little bit more of this or that, whether it was abstinent food or uh, binge foods. I had that mental twist, that mental gymnastics going on in my head for so long, I couldn't even believe that it was possible to not have that. And it is such freedom to not have that going on in my head that I am a very productive person today and I enjoy my life and I, um, you know, just don't spend all my time thinking about food. I'm thinking about the next bite. And, you know, that is the goal for me today. And that is what I get as long as I keep doing what I'm doing. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. Okay, next up we have uh, Jennifer W., I think. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Hello, I'm Jennifer uh, W., a compulsive overeater calling from Sweden. I, um, I've i been um, always wanting to be like a normal, if you, thought, if you think about the word normal. Um, like they said, uh, see others taking with impunity such bites. Then, and, and uh, I've been holding on to trying to be that person because I don't want to feel that I'm um, different. And uh, so I've been um, trying on my ability, and my ability was like to not gain weight. I would have all these diets. And it was like a spiral of just diet and then eating, diet, eating, diet, eating. And it was really, uh, I felt so miserable by doing, by living like that. And uh, it got to a point where I don't, I, 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 I don't want to live like that anymore. And I guess sometimes it has to become really bad so that you can sort of see that you have a problem because the thought of that I'm like everyone else was so strong. I could still like control it. But um, now I realize that I can't. And I'm really grateful that I find other people here. I, I say it every time I call in. But, but then it makes me feel normal. Uh, what normal is anyway. And um, I... Um, I um I'm I'm happy cuz I'm going to the birthday party as well cuz I heard other people talking about that but I'm going to the one in Miami and it's amazing how wherever like if I go now to the states I can actually get and and treat my disease um in other places that's fantastic so I'm really really grateful thank you All right uh thank you Jennifer Russ your turn Good morning, Craig. Good, Good morning. morning, family. Russ Sam recovered compulsive over here outside of Philly. So as far as I could remember, as as a little guy, I was restless, irritable, and discontent, agitated, just always filled with emotion that I couldn't control. And it just was always food. You know, I thought that the normal things you just eat. And, you know, I couldn't differentiate the true from the false forever. You know, since I was a kid, 
all the way up till two years ago because I was constantly in the food. I was constantly medicated. I was constantly, you know, uh, under the influence. You know, I was high all the time. And I didn't manage life, and I couldn't deal with things. So I get out of the food, and like others alluded to, man, you know, I'm Mr. OA. I've gotten the weight down, this and that. And then, uh, you know, a hardship comes on, and I'm freaking out. Because guess what? It's like a paper cut, you know, like the worst paper cut you ever had. It just starts gnawing on you. How, how are you supposed to deal with life? How are you supposed to do it? You know, uh, a year out of the out of the food, you think that you have it nipped, but no, you gotta. I had to dig into the spiritual way of life. I had to use this. I didn't. It's it's not about just getting out, and getting through the steps, and being free of food. No, it's about managing life. And that's when we, as compulsive readers, working the steps and doing what Silky says and Bill says. When you know, we we could uh, step back and. Uh, how would you say, uh, eat a meal with impunity? Because we have the protection of God. We have protection of our, we have the armor of our spiritual program. So that's basically all I've got. Y'all have a beautiful day. I love you. All right. Thank you, Russ. Okay. Now we're going to open up the floor again for uh, uh, people to, to volunteer to share. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, I've got, uh, I've got very little out of all that noise. I got, I got Kelly F. Um, somebody's on speaker. All right, um, let's start over and try to be respectful here. Katie G from Boston. Laura 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 G. G. All right, I've got Kelly S, Katie G, Laura G, Nosa, Barbara, Melissa C. Melissa. All right, let's go with those. All right, uh, Kelly, you're you're up. Take us away. You got a really bad connection, Kelly. Sound like a robot. Hello? You can be heard, Craig. What? All right. Um, Kelly, if you get your technical thing fixed, come back. We'll go ahead and go to Katie G. Good morning, Craig. <clears throat> Good morning, my fellows. Katie G. Recovered in Boston. Yeah, so to me, my anorexic bulimic life was my only normal one. As my teachers have taught me, like, <clears throat> I would have goals, and then I would change my goals to adjust my food behaviors because I didn't know what life was like without using the solution of food. And I've also heard, to me, my fear-based life is the only normal one. So when I'm in a state of abstinence, my default mode is fear. My default mode is fight. 
my default mode is defend. Um, and that's, that's another aspect. That's the greater aspect of my malady is this fear-based life where everybody's out to get me. I've got to be on the defense and I've got to, and it, and it creates this RID, restless, irritable, and discontented. And um, one of my favorite images of what that looks like is if you have a dog, right? You know how dogs, before they sit down, they like do this spinning like over and over again, like they're looking for the perfect spot. And you're like, just crash down, doggy. And, and they don't, right? They just keep spinning and spinning. Eventually, eventually they do. <clears throat> but yeah, my, my fear-based life drives me to spin and spin and spin and spin and spin until the spinning becomes so uncomfortable in my body that eating is what? A step up right? I'm looking for a sense of ease and comfort that other people take. Like my husband, he takes a bite of dessert. It's too sweet. There's no consequence for him. There's no, there's no punishment for him. But I have this deep-seated belief that wherever it is I am, it's not where I need to be, right? It's not where I need to be. And so thank you, God, I am recovered today for these 24 hours. And I know that if I even start to smell this restlessness, this irritability, if I start to be driven by fear, I'm getting dis, I am, I am untethered from God. And I have to go back to acceptance around, I have no power, no choice, or no control around the food. And that means I have a power greater than me that I must turn to. I must uncover, discover, and discard whatever is blocking me, whatever is irritating me, so I can get back to a state of neutrality in my mind, in my body, in my soul, so that eating is not a step up. Because eating cannot solve anything. And I can understand that cognitively and still force that food into my body or force that laxative into my body because that's all I know how to do. And thank you, God, this program outlines my solution. And with that, I pass. Okay, Katie, thank you. Next up, we have uh, Kelly. Are you back on the line? Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, yay. Well, First of all, good job, Craig. Um, <laughs> Kelly S. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Oklahoma. Got our Tulsa team on Monday. It's awesome. Anyway, um, oh, my God, had to share on this paragraph. So um, this is this was my life. And, um, yeah, I remember as a small little girl, you know, um, food was different for me than especially my family. And But what I remember even earlier than the food was, that um, discomfort, I, I was always uncomfortable in my own skin from, from a very, very small child, you know. And so, you know, I loved uh, Kim's share because to me that was my normal life from, from all I can remember, you know, is I've been in this program since I was, uh, well, I came in at 16 and then stayed around at 20, and, uh, and, and that was my pattern. I'd get abstinent just long enough, you know, to, to get restless, irritable, and discontent, and then I'd have to pick up again. And, you know, it was because I was uncomfortable. And what was happening was I was, there go the bedevilments, you know, the bedevilments it talks about. That's what happens to me when I'm abstinent, you know, and, and, and I can't do life. 
And so I'm uncomfortable in my own skin. And I, I'm a big Pink Floyd fan, you know, and I like, I think about that song, Comfortably Numb. And it's like, I would get that sense of ease and comfort knowing I was going, I know people were sharing this Friday, but just knowing I was going to eat, you know, I'd get that, ah, oh, comfortably numb feeling. I would relax and I would knew I was going to be okay for those few seconds, right? And then, of course, the minute, you know, the, the dread would come in and, you know, I am, um, you know, I got to tell you guys this little story. So I've been um, recovered now for three and a half, almost four years. And I do have neutrality with food and I'm working this program, but you know what? I have this disease and I'm sitting at a family dinner a couple nights ago and everybody's eating birthday cake. And just for a second, I'm watching them. And I thought to myself, my first thought was how come they can eat cake? All them eat cake and they don't gain weight. And it took me a little bit of time of thinking, you know why? Because they just ate that piece of cake and went on with their life. Um, I never just ate that one piece of cake. Of course, the obsession set in and I was driven and then I was binging and then I was purging. And then you guys know the rest of the story. And so the spoiler alert here is, you know, I have to put the food down. Yes, but I have a spiritual malady. And it's going to tell, tell us in the rest of this paragraph that I have to have entire psychic change. You know, I have to have a higher power. And I'm going to find that by staying in this program, keeping the food down, working these steps, becoming recovered, and finding my ease and comfort in something else. And what is that? If for me today, it's my higher power and these steps. And I have to remember that every time when I want ease and comfort in anything else, that that is my solution today and grateful I know that and I'm willing to do it. Glad to be here, guys. Hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks, Craig. Thanks. I pass. Kelly, thank you very much. Okay, Laura G, you're up. Laura? Were you possibly looking for Laura M? I possibly am. <laughs> What's going on? So, I mean, this, this is Laura M from Missouri. Um, there might have been somebody else, G, that we got smashed up. Um, since I've been um, living in the 12-step world, I have come to understand that my core disease is restless, irritable, and discontent. And that's the normal that I remember from a very early age. And I've been in a couple of different 12-step rooms and since coming into OA, I hear a lot of people ask, you know, how can we translate alcohol to food? How does that work? And, you know, I've come to understand that, you know, 12-step is used in a lot of different rooms for a lot of different things. And I, I really understand how that translates because, again, for me, it is the restless, irritable discontent that is the core because the food is just just one in a long line of things that I use to solve restless, irritable, and discontent. Um, you know, I don't always identify with the people that talk about food has been their solution since they were, you know, a child or a preteen because I had other solutions at that age. And I went through different things, and, um, and I'd learned to put one down, and then something else would take its place. And so it really has taught me that the core of this entire program is the mental twist that we, you know, get to talk about soon, that, um, that that's the greater aspect of our disease is the mental twist, and that's why the 12 steps 
is our solution. This way of life is our solution for, for filling that empty space in our core that creates that restless and irritable discontent. That's my true problem is I, I had this empty space in my core and I didn't know how to fill it. And that emptiness makes me restless, irritable, and discontent. And I, I still live with that restless, irritable, and discontent today. And um, perhaps I always will to some degree, but I'm learning a new way of life, a new way of solving that through connection with a higher power that is my friend and that I don't fear. Um, and so I'm just, I'm so, I'm grateful and I'm, I always enjoy reaching out and finding other people that have both different experiences and similar experiences. And, and so I just wanted to share my experience on that because I do identify with this restless, irritable discontent as the, the core, um, the core disease for me of that, the mental, the mental twist and, and the effect produced, the, the ease and comfort that comes from doing anything to get rid of that restless, irritable, and discontent. Right. And, and uh, unfortunately for the, you know, last too many years, that has been right. food, and that's what brought me here. And thank you for letting me share today. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Thanks, Laura. Okay, Nosa, your turn. Do you mean Vasa, Craig? Uh, this is Nosa J. Oh, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Nosa. Okay, thank you. Um, so the or- only normal life um, that for me, like for me, when I eat, it's like I obsess about it. Like I can, um, you know, take a couple bites and act like I, you know, I'm I'm okay. But then I'm obsessing about how am I going to get that home so I can eat it by myself and eat as much as I want, you know, um, obsessing about it, um, thinking about it. um, All of that stuff is not normal. And um, I've learned over the years that I cannot do it by myself. I cannot put that food down by myself. You know, um, someone said last week about how, Somebody was just taking a bite and, and putting it down and talking, and, and that was normal for them. For me, I I can't do that, you know. Um, and so I have to I have to um, have that power greater than myself come in and help me. Um, and to me, it's like then I'm not obsessing about it, you know, because I'm not putting that food in my body. Um, and so, you know, I'm starting to feel better and, you know, um, I'm taking it one day at a time, not, not, you know, oh, next week or, oh, look what I did in the past. It's just, I'm staying in the moment and just, you know, asking God for help, listening to you guys. You guys tell my story every day and um, I'm just so grateful to be here and, to have the solution and be working in the solution um, so that I don't have to obsess it and, and act crazy. I mean, I get crazy. Like I'm like, ah, you know, like the Tasmanian devil around food. It's like, Oh my goodness. Thank God. I'm not doing that today. So um, with that, I'll pass. You have a blessed day. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you. Barbara, Barbara E your turn. 
Thank you, Craig. And if you would time me, that would help. My timer isn't working, and I do like to talk. Wow, everyone has spoken so eloquently. There's nothing much more I could add except to say that for me, I've been a compulsive overeater all my life. Mental twist or no, I don't know. I have brown eyes, curly brown hair, and I like to eat. And the mental obsession was always there. I've been insane around food all my life. I thought I could control it. I was sent to diet doctors by my mom. I got shots in my rear end. I went to diet camp that they called charm school. I went to all the different programs and I lost the weight. But I never got out of my head the obsession that someday, as soon as I got down to go, I could go back out there and eat again because that's all I wanted to do. I didn't want to change my eating. I just didn't want the consequences of it. And I think when Bill talks about um, delusion, he's talking about my insanity, everyone's insanity when they're around the food. And I was not willing to accept that I needed a power outside of myself. I certainly wasn't willing to accept God, but I was hopeless. And whether I was eating or not eating, I was a miserable person to be around. I think when I was eating, I was actually nicer because I didn't care what the F anyone was doing. But when I wasn't eating as an adult, I would point the finger at you. I would say you should be eating like I should be eating. I could not stop. So finally, I just had to give in. I couldn't think like Jim that we'll read about later in the story that mixing milk and whiskey was okay so I could have a faux um, bar, something from Weight Watchers. And I couldn't make those suds those seemingly unimportant decisions to go into Dunkin' Donuts for a cup of coffee and come out with a dozen donuts and no coffee. I couldn't go into one of those gas stations that have a 7-Eleven attached to it because I would always leave the car, run to the 7-Eleven and get some candy bars, not Kit Kat bars, yuck, but other candy bars. I was always putting myself in a risk situation to fail. I was constantly being blindsided. I can't go there. What sort of thinking dominates me? What's the mental state that precedes that first drink? Maybe I'm like the jaywalker, the thrill of getting away with it. Whatever it is, I am insane. Just like Fred, I thank you. I thought I knew enough. I know nothing. Thank you. I pass. Thank you very much. Melissa G, I think. Melissa G, are you up? Hi, Craig. It's Melissa C um, from New York, compulsive overeater. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank, thank you for your service this morning. I appreciate your, your work for us. Um, yeah, you know, I've always been told all, like, all my life that I am um, – 
so emotional. Like that was always, you know, the way that I was referred to. And my like my parents had a nickname for me. They used to call me Desdemona. And I and I guess it was because I was always carrying on about something. And so I learned really young, um, you know, and I had this disease, so I was predetermined whether they called me a name or not. Um, that that food kind of smoothed it all out for me. It made me less emotional. It made me less um, worked up over every little thing. And you know that that's my defect. That's my and and it's like and it's my default. It's what I go to. And so as soon as I'm not eating, um, I am still I'm super emotional. I am really sensitive. I'm sensitive to all sorts of things. I'm sensitive to the weather. I'm sensitive to, you know, um, other people's moods. I'm, I'm, that is who I am. And, you know, and there's lots of people that are like me in this world. And there are lots of people um, who use substances to kind of smooth out the edges. I've, I've been at, you know, work-related functions where people are just as uncomfortable as I am. But they don't have, you know, the, the other part that the, the, they can do certain things with impunity without the other consequence. So I've been at people, you know, at places with people who are really um, sensitive. And, and they have a drink or they have a dessert. And they're cool. They're like, everything is okay. They don't, you know, they don't activate the allergy. For me, um, I can't do that because I go, you know, from one to a million. And when I was eating, you know, compulsively, I was fogged out. I was numb. And so I I didn't, you know, have that um, overly sensitive state. And when I put the food down, it was like a, a smorgasbord of emotions would come over me. Because oh my God, I'm still I'm still so sensitive. I'm still so worked up, and that's what the twelve steps treat. And you know, I still get times when I am worked up and overly sensitive. And thank you God that I've learned. Um, you know, my defects can also be assets because those are the things that make me compassionate, that make me sensitive to other people, that I think give me an open, loving heart, and. And these 12 steps have taught me when I am feeling that overwhelming sensitivity, it means, thank you, it means I need to think about other people. And with that, I'll pass. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. We have time for one, maybe two more shares. So, Vasa O. R. Vato. All right. I've got Vasa O. Nessa R. Go ahead, Vasa. Thank you. Thank you, Craig, for your service, and good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, Grateful Recover Compulsible Vida, calling from Florida. And uh, I had no understanding what was wrong with me. I just knew I loved to eat. And uh, I'm so grateful that I was led into Overeaters Anonymous, this big book, The Twelve Steps. so my food addiction didn't start till I was 15 years old, and I didn't even know they called it food addiction. <clears throat> I came from another country. We didn't have this junk food here that we have in America. And I was introduced. I was a skinny little girl for years, and my mother used to worry all the time. 
well, there was not enough food. There was no nutrition over there. So I was not exposed too much to sugar. I was every once in a while, and I knew I loved it. So I was probably born with an allergy, which I didn't even know until we came in America. And I, again, I was introduced to all the sugars and junk food and crunches. I gained 20 pounds in one month. And that's what, and it began, and it says, to them, their alcoholic life seemed the only normal way. They're restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can, again, experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking few bites from me, few, you know, the sugars. And uh, I was just so shocked when I came to OA, and I tried everything that I've, everybody has tried to put the food down. I mean, I've had some little anorexia, bulimia, overeating, undereating. I've done it all, and this was my last hope, and this was the only thing that worked that I learned. You know, I had the allergy uh, of the food, the physical allergy, and then that followed with the mental twist, the mental obsession. And as I said, this was my last hope and my last try, and uh, I remember, for me, I needed to replace the food with a higher power and, my tw- and the 12 steps and the tools, whatever it took for me at the beginning. And that's what I did. It was very, very painful when I put the food down because I had to learn how to deal with my emotions. And I felt like I was dissected, uh, having a surgery with no anesthesia. It was horrible going through, in the, through the withdrawals uh, from the sugar. I wanted that fix. I wanted that comfort so bad. But I kept on hearing, don't go back to the food. Go to your higher power. Ask your higher power. It's my time. It's my time. I'll continue this another time. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. All right. Thank you. All right, Nessa, we've got a little over a minute. So if you would... Uh... Uh, big brief. I'll try, I'll try to be very quick. Good morning, uh, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. They cannot, after a time, differentiate the truth from the false. You know, um, you know it's true that when we are recovered, uh, we're no longer fighting the food, neither running to or running from the food. Um, but it doesn't mean that I'm never going to have a food thought. You know, like the same, pro- the same promises that promise me neutrality around the food also tell me that, you know, uh, if tempted, we'll recoil from it as if from a hot flame. So the promise truly is that I will be able to tell the truth from the false because I can only eat on the false. You know, when I tell myself, well, I'm just going to, I'm only going to have two cookies and that's it. It's going to be a bit, a, a little enjoyment and that is going to end there. That's false. But when the food calls and I tell myself, no, Nessa, you have never, ever in your entire life been able to eat only two cookies, you know, and there's no reason why you're going to be able to do it now. You're going to start with two cookies, you're going to eat the whole box, then you're going to move on to something else and something else and something else and something else. You know, that is recovery. Thank you. Um, being able to, um, to uh, differentiate the true from the false when the food calls and stay away from it. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, thank you to everyone who shared today. 
and for the readers and everybody that did service. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing. The share ID for today's meeting is 12,414. Uh, and that's the share ID for today, January 14th. Um, 2019. We'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayers. Will uh, uh, Lisa B. please read us, uh, read to us from a vision for you. Good morning. Yep. Thank you so much, Craig. This is Lisa B. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.